The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And this is Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Conversion fucking month. I'm loving it, Chris. Conversion fucking month. We did We did the ride-along in the Scottsdale, that, 85 Scottsdale on an 03 Duramax. That's what set the pathway for this month, man. It, it really is. Yeah. Then we had on uh, Sean Anderson from Diesel Conversion Specialist talking about putting Cummins into six liters, the only yeah. way to fix them. Only way. That's the bulletproof method, guys. <laughs> the bulletproof method. And then, of course, last week we had on Ryan Worley of WC Fab what to talk about his C10. Truck. You know, honestly, guys, I know you listen to the podcast. You've seen pictures. There's a ton flooding the Internet. You do not respect that truck enough after seeing it in person. You know, pictures don't do it justice. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's what we're getting to there. It is an amazing truck. Uh, the patina on it really sets it apart from everything else that's been done on there. I would like to do like a rat rod setup now just because of the patina. <laughs> like, so sick, so sick. Um, and then even some of the the little fine details about that truck, like the instrument panel. Yeah. And little things like that. I mean, I just um, want to say that is set the it apart. baddest four-link suspension setup yes. I have ever seen. Now, yes. granted, I haven't been around Baja vehicles and stuff like that, which I'm sure those are badass, but come on, man. Just the, the attention to detail on that whole conversion is nothing less than spectacular. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, uh, if you're liking what you're hearing, we would really appreciate a small favor. Take a second, jump on your phone, jump on your computer, rate and review the show. Uh, Five-star rating would be phenomenal. We would really, really appreciate that and hate if you do anything else. I mean, it would be ideal for them to five-star rate and say it's because of Chris and then (laughs) negative two-star, but put that in the comments, guys. We don't want to have them lie. Just five stars and any (laughs) any comment about the show, even if you just want to write down what type of truck you have. We would really appreciate that. It helps other people find the shows and it helps our sponsors like Exergy and WC Fab and Alligator to know that. We are gaining traction with the show. So if you want to hear more episodes, please jump on, rate, and review. Uh, We would really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I would appreciate it. I guess, you know, we want to just start off, right? Let's kick right into it. Uh, You know, live from Facebook this week, we had a message from a a gentleman out of uh, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, His name's Lewis Grounds. Um, Lewis sent us a message. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm going to start with a little on me. I'm 18, graduated from high school two years ago, living in the great white north of British Columbia. And I've got the diesel itch, thanks to your podcast and some of my coworkers. That's awesome. That's yeah. perfect. Uh, I don't make a huge amount of money, so buying an LBZ or a newer style truck kind of isn't in the picture for me. But I want to go fast, be reliable, get decent fuel economy, uh, hard combo I know. My first thought is a Cummins. I know I have to build the trans pretty much right away, but my concerns come with all the motors, uh, or comes with the motors, my bad. Uh, should I be looking at a 5.9 or a 6.7? Also, with a limited budget, higher mileage uh, are to be expected. Is 500,000 kilometers, roughly 300,000 mile motor, uh, starting off with uh, a smart budget? I know it's kind of odd there. Uh, 12 valves or 24 valves are a dime a dozen up here. Um, if they aren't eaten alive yeah, from the rust to help you out there. they aren't alive from the rust. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm a little special today. Uh, so third gens kind of have a special spot in my heart. Uh, I want to pick your brains a bit. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you put more into that than I could read. So 
thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty biased when it comes to this stuff. You know, I'm a I'm more of a Cummins guy myself. I've owned several Duramaxes in the past. Uh, you are accurate. You know, the, just the purchase price of the truck, uh, an LBZ is going to be cheaper than a 12 or a 24 valve. Would you agree, Paul? Uh, a 12 or 24 valve is going to be cheaper than an LBZ, yeah, I think is what absolutely. we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Absol- that is true. Um, I mean, you could probably get a high mileage common rail these days, like an 0305 truck, cheaper than you can get your hands on uh, a LBZ, LMM, or up to Anything that's decent, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my recommendation is, is uh, I've built a 24 valve VP truck. You know, no, you're not going to make no 1,000 horse or 800 horse, but you can make a reliable 450 to 550 horse, and you could do that on a fairly small budget. You know, this reminds me so much of our 15k budget build dude that was so much fun that build that's pretty Um, much what we're talking about and like if i was going to give him a recommendation i think i'd be right in that spot what did you use for that 15k budget build episode Uh, man i mean that was what a year and a half ago now but uh we started off with a a second gen vp44 truck okay um i'm pretty sure i went with a five-speed manual trans if i remember correctly correct we did uh like i said 150 horsepower injectors a turbocharger upgrade a lift pump a clutch gauges i mean that was pretty much uh, head studs valve spring, you know, some of the other small stuff. But I mean, that's a truck that I did build about five, six years ago, and it was a 500 horse vehicle. I think that build and I think that episode fits exactly what you're looking for here, Lewis. So basically what we did was we had an episode way back when we first started the podcast uh, where me, Chris, Pete Shibby sat down and we came up with three different trucks. Scott Scott, Henrich. Scott was a mediator. Scott, I did not win because of you, so (laughs) shout out to you, man. Shout out to you. Uh, But basically, Chris came to the table with that exact build. So he had his VP truck, and he had all of the spec'd out. And at the time, you had even priced out everything to make sure you could buy the truck and all the modifications, do the work yourself for under $15,000. U.S. too. I just want to throw that out there because he's in Canada. Yep. So So I think that's a great episode for you to go back and listen to, Lewis. I think that pretty much is going to answer about 90% of your questions. And based on the downloads, our listeners have loved that. It's always been in our top five episodes. And I guess I want to touch up on two more things. Please. Mileage. Any of the... Any project that I've started with has always been a high mileage truck. Um, my VP truck, I bought it with 230, 240,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, my 07 Common Rail, when I bought it, I bought that truck with 350,000 original miles and turned that motherfucker up. You know, yeah. and it lasted. It stayed together. Uh... Well, okay, the injector, they, I was like a lot of our customers. They thought that they were the... Um, uh, that 1%, right? I yeah. knew I had injector issues. I didn't take care of it in a timely fashion. And an injector stuck open and took out one of the cylinders. But yeah. we also had 370,000 miles making over 600 horsepower at the time. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, Fair enough. High mileage, definitely there. Definitely, uh, I'd prefer the 5.9s over the 6.7s. It's affordable because it has high mileage. If you had something with 10,000 miles on it, it doesn't matter what year the truck is. It's going to cost you a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so you got to start there. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's a great place to get started. I would not be scared off about mileage. Always what I say is you want to base your decision on inspection, not on on something you see on Craigslist. So it's not the information that that anybody could read. It's actually getting there and physically getting your hands on the truck and checking it out. If he is going to look at a high mileage... Uh, VP truck, Chris, what's a couple of tips you can give him for looking out for the bad ones? One of the things my dad always taught me early on is what does the interior look like from the the cockpit, from the driver's side? You know, is it well-maintained? Is it all beat up? You know, that guy is driving that truck and operating that day in and day out. If the truck's pretty well-maintained in that area, eh, 
you know, everything else is probably going to follow. You know, check for blow-by, get the truck nice and warm, pull off the oil cap, maybe pull out the dipstick, see if there's any excessive breathing. You know, it's generally, you know, if the motor's worn or not. Uh, does it start up when it's cold? You know, how long does it take to crank and crank and crank? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, as far as, you know, trans fluid, if it's an automatic, if it's a manual, does it grind gears? You know, these are little things. There's really nothing else that you can honestly check unless it's like a common rail setup and you have a scan tool and, you know, you're getting really into it. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's pretty much everything in a nutshell. Does it leak? Most of these trucks <laughs> with this type of mileage, they leak a lot. So if you find one that doesn't leak, that's a score. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's it, though. You know, it, it is doing that physical inspection because we've Absolutely. also all showed up to look at some sort of Craigslist or Facebook post. And the pictures were the nicest thing about yeah. it. And you show up and it is leaking from every orifice. Yeah. And there's, you know, holes in the boots. And there's just all we've seen all of the dog shit out there. You want to avoid anything that's really ratty or anything that has not been maintained. You'll spend more time fixing the little things than you will making yeah. power. Same thing. You, you want to avoid something that's been sitting for more than a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, dry rod, hoses, dry lines, is, things like that, is tires. A very expensive oh, yeah. problem because it doesn't affect one piece. It's not, it's not like it's having everything. a boot go. Yeah. It's all of your rubbers fucked. That's like when I bought my 07. I mean, the, the gentleman that I bought it for uh, from, he probably sent me 60 pictures. I mean, he was so <laughs> detailed. And I had an eight-hour one-way commute to go get this thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, he sold me when he sent me the pictures. And he was just so on top of providing info. I didn't have to fight him or beat him on it. Right. So that's everything. If they're willing to provide you the information, needless to say, they're trying not to hide anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, r really, really good point there. Um it reminds me a little bit of what some of the stuff we've been dealing with here at Duramax Tuner over the last week or so. Yeah. I know I've had a lot of customers calling in talking about the Stell 64 G2. What supporting mods do I need right. to run that? How can I make 640 horsepower? Affordably. What, what right. really stuck out in my head is I had a guy call me who, again, was going to look at an LB7. Now, we had a from Facebook last yeah, week. Last somebody week, going right. to look at an LB7. Um, this guy was talking about, like, hey, if I go and buy this X amount of dollar truck... What am I going to need to fix? I don't know what right. you're going to need to fix through, like, you know, hold the phone up to it and I'll tell you what's wrong yeah, with right. it. Like, that doesn't work. Let's do a Facebook Live, yeah. do a walk around, and I'll tell you. Right. I, I don't have time for that. Please don't ask me to do that. Um, but, but what I will say is I went through with him all of the things I would recommend to upgrade on a stock LB7. Right. And I think that's a great jumping off point for just Absolutely. about anybody. So if you got a stock LB7, you're, you want to get to that 640 horsepower mark, you got to start with some solid tuning. Uh, that's always first and foremost because you're going to get your most bang for your buck. Right. Now, if you want to put that power on the ground and not be in limp mode, you're also going to need a built transmission. Right. I've had some guys asking me about valve body kits, doing like a Transgo Junior shift kit right. and a converter. Oh, yeah. If you're sled pulling on an LB7 and you're never going to put the truck on the highway, you might be able to get away with it. We've talked about yeah, this we before. Have. I mean, this has been a debate between us and Nick in the past. However, if you're going to drive the <laughs> truck on the street and you're going to use the truck, or you're going to tow with the truck, don't be fucking cheap. I'm sorry. Just don't. You got to put the investment in. You get. You need the extra clutches. You need the extra steels. You need all of the other things that go into a full trans build. Now, obviously, you can call somebody like us at Duramax Tuner. Take a look at a DT750, which is your pre-built transmission. Uh, but there are a lot of options out there. At this horsepower level, you will need a lift pump. Uh, it is no longer just a reliability factor. It is a power supporting factor. So you got the built transmission. You got the tuning. We're going to put you up with a turbo as right. well. Uh, so you need the Stell 64 G2 turbo. That's the brand new turbo from Duramax Tuner. So drop in, stock appearing. It looks totally factory from the outside of the charger, 
All of the internals have been upgraded. It runs a 360 thrust, uh, 360 degree thrust bearing, 64 right. millimeter compressor wheel, 15% larger turbine flow. Uh, it also still retains factory coolant. So in other words, we run the factory coolant and oil lines through it. There's no adapters, block offs, or any bullshit there. Now, once you have all this together, there are a few other things I recommend. Number one, it's a Duramax. You need to address your front end. If you're going to use four-wheel drive, you need a built front end. Now, whether that's like a Cognito kit or whether you're just doing tie rod sleeves, we actually got to see the difference just last night uh, with the Scottsdale right. and the Apache drag racing in the dirt. So we were out at some dirt drags, and the Apache has a built front end with a Stealth 60 something proprietary something proprietary it's a stealth um, stock g2. appearing yeah stock it's appearing. a g2 it it's is just, a g2 yeah and then the scottsdale has the actual g2 the exact same model that you could buy off the shelf right now both trucks did great uh they both performed top of their class uh coming in and in, in the top the apache actually won it for the work stock class with Nick driving. Nick. Go figure. Yeah, I told him, I was like, Nick, man, we I really clean thought the it, dust off of it, bro. Yeah, I've, I've been giving him a hard time over the last few months about getting rusty behind the driver's seat yeah. there, and uh, he proved it. He, I mean, he's, he, he's, he, still got, he's still got a little he, something magic. He backs up what he says, man. He's got many years ahead of him, man. And now, at any rate, though, what we saw was we saw the Scottsdale getting really squirrely down the track the whole night. The driver, Justin, who's one of our mechanics, uh, talked about the hop and, and just how rough it felt. There's definitely a huge difference between tie rod sleeves and right. doing the full brace kit up front. And I just want to throw out there that both of those trucks are relatively the same weight. If yeah. anything, the Apache might be a tad lighter. Yeah. So it's not a weight issue here that we have, guys. I mean, it. Yeah. There, there, the there are some differences setup. between the truck, but I think there's a general picture yep. here that if you want to go out and you want to beat on the truck, you need to do something with the front end. Tie rod sleeves will get you by, but if you want a really solid setup, build the whole front end. Absolutely. Uh, intakes are a really solid option on these trucks, more specifically an intake horn and downpipe. Mm -hmm. uh, the stock intake, I've seen guys cut the bottom out of them yep. and support 600 horsepower. So there's no no real concern there. My 03 did it. Exactly. You know, 598 to the tire, modded stock box. I was on a budget. Yeah, I get a it. modded stock box. Modded you stock fuck. box, fully um, built stock. That's when we just cut a hole in the, in the box itself. It, it's fine. It works. So who gives a shit, right? Save your money. I mean, I tell everyone this. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. Uh, a lot of guys are going to run an exhaust with this. Obviously, the big question here is fuel components. How much fuel do you need to make 640? Well, stock injectors are good for 600 if you have a healthy system. 640, you just need that little bit extra. So we probably can squeeze it out of like a 10 mil pump and a set of 30% injectors at the minimum. Uh, those would obviously be products we could get from Exergy. Right. Now, we love their sportsman injectors, right? Yeah. right? I've ran them. 10% higher, uh, increased flow, usually good for that 15 to 20 horsepower. There's a real good chance that a healthy set of stock or um, a healthy set of sportsman LB7 injectors could match up with a 10 mil pump to make this power. But if you want to make it consistently or if you're competitive, you probably want their 30% injectors. Yeah, the Sportsman injectors are a great line of injectors. They're your perfect level one upgrade. They, they are calibrated to a tighter tolerance than even Bosch takes them. Right. So Bosch does a 5% calibration tolerance. Uh, Exergy always takes it that little bit extra and goes for that 4% tolerance. The cool thing with them, you drop them in, no tuning adjustment required, just like the Stealth 64 or Stealth 64 G2. Um, of course, you LB7 guys want to make sure you're getting Bosch injectors. You also want to make sure that those Bosch injectors have the updated VCO nozzles. Now, the original VCO nozzles had some issues with them. There is an update out there. Just because you're buying Bosch injectors does not guarantee you have the updated VCO nozzles. So ask your injector supplier or just simply contact Duramax Tuner or Exergy Performance. We'd be happy to get you set up on that. Um, 
why bridge at this horsepower level, Chris? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if uh, you're going through a build, you know, like something like this, I think the guys over at WC Fab need to get a call. Uh, they have to be brought into the mix on a build like this, you know, 600 plus horsepower. Uh, they offer they offer high flow bundle kits for all your Duramaxes. So I just want to throw that one out there. Um, you know, their high flow bundle kits, you're going to see an increase in turbo spool up due to the added efficiency, uh, increase in throttle response, again, from the added efficiency of airflow, yep. uh, a drop in EGTs. I mean, who's going to argue with that? Yeah. Especially you guys that are using your truck for multiple functions. Right. You know? Yeah. If you're towing um, with the truck, you're paying attention to EGTs. Right. And in, in the in the high flow pack, you're going to get a high flow three inch intercooler pipe, uh, three inch Y bridge which is a half inch bigger than the factory components. Right. So, I mean, that's a big deal. There is. There's a lot more capacity for air. And as we're pushing more air into the system, that matters. Right. Off of that, more air, the factory boots become a weak link. So they provide their heavy-duty, high-quality silicone boots into the mix. Just a little bit more insurance. Not saying the factory boots are going to be an issue, but you don't want to be on the side of a highway with a load behind you and pop a boot. Absolutely. Now, uh, we're talking about the LB7 package here. Right. But it's been really impressive to see how many guys have jumped onto the LML Air Bundle right. uh, with WC Fab. So that's, that's all of you guys out there with the 11 to 16 Duramaxes. A ton of you guys have already called WC Fab. You can get custom colors. We were talking to Ryan about that. The, the gloss black with the gold flake. Dude, oh, my God. There was a guy who did a Cummins kit uh, that was here last year, and it was gloss black with pearl, emerald green, and gold flakes. It was so sick. It is. It was so sick. But I just want to touch on, it's not just LMLs and LB7s. They have them LOIs, LBZs, LMMs. No. They even do stuff on some of the Cummins stuff. So none of you guys are secluded. They even do six liter stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about six liters, why. but they have stuff. Hey, I know why. <laughs> Bulletproofing. So. Hit up WC Fab if you're looking for that. They've been a great sponsor of the show. Same as Exergy. Today, though, Chris, I'm really fucking excited to get on and talk to Eric Swanson from Duraburb. Eric, uh, yeah. how the hell are you? Uh, we're right in the middle of what seems to be a small hurricane here. Oh, oh no! Wow. Leave. I had to leave the office and come out and sit in one of our Durham SUVs to talk to you today. So I'm I'm sitting in a 630 horsepower Duramax Suburban that Nick tuned for us. <laughs> uh, it runs actually last year. We had it out on a drag strip. We ran 1346. Oh wow! I pulled a 180. Uh, 60 foot mark. That's so, cooking for something that heavy. Oh, yeah. I was my game that night. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty nasty truck, but it's it's got the 64 millimeter stealth in it. And it's, it's an LMM. Oh, I so, love it. I love it. But, Eric, you do a lot of really cool stuff down there. We've gotten to see a ton of your projects. We drive one of your right. projects on a pretty regular basis over here. Uh, before we dive too far into this, though, tell us how you got your start in diesel performance. Well, you know, everything started really when uh, my my father-in-law complained that he could not get a diesel SUV. And I thought that was kind of odd. And, of course, I was in my Buick Grand National Pontiac GTP phase, and we were drag racing, you know, all gas stuff. Right. And I never paid attention to diesel. Diesels are, yeah, they're clunky, they make a lot of noise, they make a lot of smoke. I don't want to mess with that. Well, then I I bought a TDI Jetta, a little Volkswagen Jetta, a little humble 1.9. And, of course, it was anemic. It only made 90 horsepower. Right. And so I said, oh, God, I can't, I can't live with this. Not and enough. So I, 
messing with it. <laughs> and I made a few modifications to it. And before before I knew it, you know, after injectors, injection pump, and a turbo upgrade and an intercooler upgrade, the car was pretty pretty snappy for a little four door import. <laughs> and I teased my father in law I said, Hey, I think I can run down your ninety six Impala. And he has a ninety six Impala Supersport with thirty five thousand miles on it. It's garage clean. Oh Jesus. And he said, All right, I'll bring it out of the drag strip. And you know, the Impala is it's a decent car for, for its year and everything. You've got to remember, this is a pretty historical car. And it ran a 1530. And I ran a 1490. Oh, oh wow. just enough. Yeah, down his 96 Impala Super Sport. Okay. <laughs> 1.9. So I said, well, good grief. If this is what happens to a little diesel, I wonder what happens to a Duramax. And I knew nothing about the Duramax. I knew nothing about tuning. This was 2005, 2006. And so I embarked on building a Duramax Suburban. About that time, Nick was coming on board with Duramax Tuner. It was really becoming popular. And so I, we got together personally, and I said, Hey, look, this is what I want to do. I want to stick Duramaxes in Suburban. What do you think? And he goes, Well, I'm... I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I, what the biggest vehicle GM makes, and the Duramax is the most powerful engine GM makes. So it just seems reasonable that the two would go together. Right. right. And Nick agreed, and I said, can, can, you, can you give me some kind of support for tuning and stuff? And he goes, yeah. And so I ended up, you know, buying a V2, and, and that's how... Nick and I's relationship started was just with playing around with these first Suburbans, and I, I put a Suburban together, not really doing anything more than tuning, and the thing was pretty wicked fast. I mean, it was quick. And so as the next two years went by, I kept doing it. I built several more, and I quickly realized that, you know, I really need to be in the newer market. And this was in 2007 to 2009. I actually left Walt Disney World. I was an industrial automation engineer. Oh, wow. Left left the company, started my own company, which became Duraverb. And um, actually, this weekend, we are moving. We are actually leaving the building we've been in for the last seven years and or eight years and we're moving across the street we bought two acres and we bought three buildings awesome that congratulations new Durberg facility and that is that is ours we own it so um that's but that's kind of how nick and i got started and then of course you know he bought that uh, i think it's 2004 I don't remember. Is it an 04 or 05? Yeah, we have uh, the one that we got is an 04 with an LBZ converted yeah. into it, 6B trans. Yeah. yeah. The 04 Suburban. And for our newer and, listeners, uh, Eric is referencing Nick Pregnitz, owner of Duramax Tuner. Right. Uh, Eric and Nick, you guys yeah. obviously go way back. Um, it, it's been really interesting to see some of the projects that have come out of your yeah. shop there, Eric. you got to be excited for that new move. I take it that's a, a way to expand for growth and, and more opportunity. 
It is, yeah. We're going to go from four lifts and five bays to six lifts and then eight bays. And so now it's, it's going to make things a little bit more fluid. But, um, yeah, actually, Nick and I have been, I've, I've beat him recently because, you know, you guys, you own the most, the single most powerful Zuraberg on the planet right now. Yeah. Yeah, we call it the presidential, by the way. So that, that's what I refer to it with Nick as. I teased Nick, and I told him, I said, I'm going to build a 1,000-horsepower truck, and I'm going to come after you. I'm going to tear your ass up. And he goes, how are you going to do that? I said, well, I'm going to build it, and I'm going to send it to you. You're going to send it, and I'm going to take your board, and I'm going to throw them back at me. And, all right, we'll see about that. And wouldn't you know, one, one Friday night at, like, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, I get a text beat you. <laughs> what? And he sent me a picture of the dyno screen. It was a thousand fifty horsepower. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, um, actually, you know, because we're talking about doing swaps and, and, and integrating Duramaxes into different environments. So, I have a 07 Escalade George. So, basically a Tahoe. Right, but but it's an Escalade body that I just bought for my wife because she loves the color blue and she's only owned black vehicles. So I've bought this for her, and we have a 2011 LML that we're putting everything together, and we're going to be sticking a 64 millimeter self in the valley. We're going to be running an S480 compound kit on it. Um, I'm getting with Chris about getting the 10 millimeter. Horseman pump, and then we're going to do, I think it's 50 over injectors. Right. So we'll have enough air and fuel to make over 800 horsepower. Yeah. Enough enough to blow the crankshaft out the bottom of the motor if we want to. <laughs> and it's uh, lighter. And, then, and it's lighter, and so there's more fun to be had. Very light. Yep. yep. <laughs> See where I'm going. So I'm going to end up with 750 horsepower and 1,500 foot-pounds in this thing. And okay. we're going to shove it all in a two-wheel drive short wheelbase Escalade. Oh, man, two-wheel drives, man. That's my shit. That, that will end up in your dyno department when you guys dial everything in. And so my my game plan is, and I haven't told Nick about this, but he'll hear about it when he's podcast. <laughs> my game plan is what I need to do is arrange to get the vehicle up there on like a, a Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday. So that you have until Friday to dial everything in, and then your your NHRA sanctioned drag trip—that's not too far away from your location, is it? Not at all. We're in we're in a location you're, where you're, we have two drag strips within about forty-five minutes to an hour away. Yeah, there's yeah three. We just yeah, never go south. Yeah, that's true. Forty minutes away from the drag strip. Yeah. So my thought is, we need to take the thousand horsepower suburban and the. 750 horsepower Escalade, take them out to the drag strip, and let's do a fun run. <laughs> and so, we'll make three runs, and we'll see, you know. All of our listeners just out. heard Eric Swanson ask me to drive his Duraburb at the drag strip. Uh, I, mean, I would I be also, happy to. I also heard Eric Swanson <laughs> call <laughs> out Nick. He yeah. called out Nick. That's perfect. Yeah. We love it. Well, here, here, here is the irony of the whole entire situation. Nick holds your fate in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. 
That is true. But I, I have faith in him. I mean, it's been it's been ten years, so I, I trust him. Yeah. But the the irony of the whole situation is technically that O Four Suburban was supposed to be for Beth. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a family car. Uh, he's yeah. They've, so, it's funny when he takes pictures of it while they're on a family road trip with the kids in the back. And I like I'm just thinking of you know the video we did with a million views on it where it's just burning rubber yeah. and just just screeching around corners and shit and I'm like right. oh yeah no of course and the kids got, are now in the back SpongeBob playing on an LCD yeah back. it's like one of the tobacco commercials like driving the truck with Nick driving it in the commercial would you let your wife drive this you know like but it has really good street manners I mean that's something that you can let her drive I mean it's yeah it's a good truck well that is. That is what's really cool about diesels is that, you know, people don't realize, you know, yeah, it can make 1,500, 2,000 foot-pounds of torque, but it doesn't have to. Right. You don't step on it. It won't. And, yeah, anybody can drive it. But I just think it's terribly ironic that, (laughs) you know, when this all comes together, and I'm hoping we can do this in the fall, the, the single most powerful Duraverb on the planet and potentially the fastest Duraburg on the planet don't even belong to Nick and I. They belong to our wives. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even in our cars. But we get to play with them. That's, so it. that's the important thing. Yeah, fuck know. it. <laughs> but, yeah. Awesome. So. Eric, you know, I had a good question. Yeah, I was I was just going to walk us right back down that line. So we had had on Sean Anderson from Diesel Conversion Specialist. They really focus on putting a Cummins into everything. It's right. easier. It's they're cheaper. They're more available. Why not twelve valve swaps for for the Suburbans? Why not even just a, a common rail Cummins, Cummins for right. the Suburban? Like, why not use a Cummins? Why use the Duramax? Well, in our client base. They're predominantly affluent, and they're not mechanics. And so they need the ability to take their SUV to any local GM store. So, like, you know, when people call me and they say, hey, I've got a 1996 or 1999, you know, Suburban, I tell them, you know, source a Cummins from a P35 step fan. You know, the, the big bet pan. Right. Because they came with 4BTs and 6BTs, and they came mated with Turbo 400s and 700R4s. And that will swap into your truck and still remain OEM. You can keep everything. You're not going to lose anything. Right. Our thing is, I mean, you know, people call us still with old body style stuff and, you know, say, oh, I got a 2003 or you know, we still do build 03 to 06 trucks. It's rare. We do maybe one every two months. But, I mean, they're still out there. Right. The thing is, when you get into 07 and newer, there's really no way to put a Cummins into those trucks and and actually retain full factory functionality. And now, I just want to touch on, when you say full factory functionality, we're talking every switch, every light, every gauge display, the whole gauge cluster, everything works like ours as if it rolled off the showroom floor that way. It it works exactly like if it came off the assembly line right from GM. And every wire is in the right pin location, which means (laughs) 
we have to take the suburban harness and we have to move a bunch of wires around. And then on the diesel harness, we have to move some wires around. But we do that so that we keep all the wire colors and all the pin locations correct so that when everything goes back together, let's say, you know, all of us sitting around the table here today, I mean, we would have no problem with doing a swap and cutting and hacking a couple of wires and firing the engine up and making it work, and that'd be great. Okay, well, that's fine for, for you, me, and, and Chris. But the problem is for the average consumer, they, they don't understand that. And if, if they have to, if the check engine light comes on, they need to be able to go to a local GM store and just say, here's the keys to my Duramax Suburban, fix it. And usually that first time acquaintance entails a phone call. (laughs) How the hell did you guys do this? (laughs) I just, I imagine every GM tech I've ever talked to, like looking at this thing and just scratching his head. Like, fuck. No, man. No. (laughs) Um, And and then when we explain it, then they understand immediately and they go, oh, okay. Gotcha. But now it's been 10 years. Um, we were coming on, um, the end of this year, we'll be coming on 300 trucks. Whoa. So, there all over the place. Yeah, but, no kidding. As a matter of fact, Do you have one in every state? Yeah, probably. <laughs> They've been in every state. That we haven't done. Um, <laughs> we were on vacation this um, this spring we went out to Tennessee and so we got kids in the car and everything and we're driving down the interstate and we we actually pulled off the interstate going to the gas station and there was a Durburb in the next stall oh that's awesome <laughs> that is awesome and my wife goes uh, me and more isn't that one of your trucks and I looked over at it, and I, uh, I think it is. <laughs> so I went over, and I talked to the guy, and it was a client that I had never met, because 90% of our clients, we never see them. You right. know, they call us, they, they know from all their research who we are, they, they're, they're confident that we'll perform just like, you know, Duramax Tuner, you know, you got people that just, they send you a pickup truck, and they say, I no. want this thing to make 600 horsepower. Right. And they just, they have faith in, in you and, and, you know, you, Paul, and Chris, and, and, and Nick, and everybody that they know when it comes back, it's going to be right. And they don't have to worry about it. Right. And that's the same thing with Duraverb. I mean, we have 90% of our clients we've never met. And <laughs> they just send their vehicle down, we build it, and we send it back, and they send us a check, and... A lot of times we never even hear back from him. Did that and guy hear anything about it? And it was it was a client that I'd never heard anything back from. And then I said, "Hey, is, how's your dirt burp? And he goes, "Oh, you you know about this?" And he, <laughs> and he just started laughing. And he goes, "Oh man!" <laughs> so it was kind of neat to meet him. But um, the big thing with doing Duramaxes as opposed to using Cummins engines is that. You can keep everything ISO 9001 OEM jammer. So what that means is you plug into it with an MDI, a Tech 2, or Global 
diagnostic, and you can scan it, you can program it, you can you can do everything that you need to do. When you get into the newer stuff, like we've got a 2017 sitting on the list right now. Uh, hold on, miles on. Don't it. don't get into that yet. We 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 want to dive into that one more specifically. Okay. okay. We got a few questions uh, first. So. What, one of the questions that I have for you, because me and Nick talk about stuff like this, you know, growth and, and different projects that you've done along the way. What's been your favorite swap thus far? My single favorite swap is absolutely the Tahoe. That, hands down, it weighs nothing. And when you stick a Duramax in a Tahoe, you have got what we refer to down here in Florida as an e-ticket ride. <laughs> e-ticket meaning, for people, for those listening to the podcast that don't know what an e-ticket is, back when Walt Disney World opened here in Orlando, you got a ticket book, and it had like three A tickets and three B tickets and a couple C tickets and a couple D tickets, and it had one e-ticket. Well, the one e-ticket was the one that you could use to go on like Space Mountain. Or you could go on, you know, one of the other roller coasters. Yeah. But the e-ticket was reserved for the really crazy fast rides. So here in Orlando, we often refer to stuff that's just stupid fast. And, well, that's an e-ticket ride. (laughs) You're you're, you're catching your e-ticket for that. And a Tahoe, hands down, nothing beats it. I mean, that's why... I'm I'm coming up there with with the Escalade, and we're going to see how Marie's Escalade stacks up against Beth Suburban. It's going to be a fun fun trip. Now, me and you have talked a little bit in the past, and you've told me a little bit about some of. Uh the components you have coming in your uh, your shop soon, talking about the new generation, you know, the new generation of conversions, engines, vehicles. What's in the pipeline? You're talking a little bit about the 17 that you have on the lift. What, what's going on there exactly? Yeah, the, uh, the, the 17 that we have in here right now, um, that's getting a 16 LML okay. drive frame because the client did not want to run an L5P because... Nobody really knows anything about it, and it's also only just recently come available. Stand, you know, not standalone, but you know, as a complete unit. Oh, you so, mean like as of today? Literally, um, as no. of yeah. last Monday. It, yeah, it's now available. So now I can start providing L5P. Gotcha. Unfortunately, we don't have any training support at this point, but you know, we'll we'll see how things progress. I got. Um, so that's getting the 2016 LML. Very nice. The, the, um, the sixteen seventeen platform, you know, there's been a lot of talk right now about the fact that it only has a 3,000 pound tow capacity. That's one thing that's come up. I don't know if you guys knew about that, but because they made the gross vehicle weight rating 11,000 pounds, over 8,600 was what it was. Yeah. Now they've made it 11,000. Um, so since you can potentially have 11,000 pounds on the four wheels, now your tow capacity is limited to 3,000 pounds. Um, fact of the matter is, uh, and a lot of people need to know this or listen to the podcast, is that what the total combined capacity is is the absolute number. 
when you're towing with one of these trucks, it's your combined capacity. Combined capacity is 12,700, and the vehicle weighs 7,000. So you can still tow 7,500 pounds of this thing. Right. You know, that's without any problems. And quite truthfully, back the frame is still the same frame that we've been using since 2000. The frame has never changed. It's still the exact same frame, same IFS in the front. Everything is the same. And what did change? And back when we had the 8.1, it had a 19,000-pound combined rating. Oh, wow. So you, you could pull almost 13,000 pounds for this. Right. And so, safely, can you tow 12, 13,000 pounds? Yeah. You know, it's just... It's a technicality thing. Have they but started running smaller that's... brake packages? Because I know usually tow capacity has a lot to do with, with braking and other safety features as opposed to, like, power requirements. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. If you, on on the Suburb YouTube channel, we have a breakdown of the 2017 one-ton Suburban. And in that YouTube uh, video, you can see where we highlight, my goodness, they put the, the giant rotors on it and the big calipers and everything. We have, on the Suburban, we have the exact same braking package that's on your Denali that you have in your shop. Really? What is that? What year is that? A 2012 or something? Your uh, Denali? We don't have the 11. Nick sold off no, the yeah, 11 the, a while 11 ago. HG? We have yeah. the Clean okay. Sweep, which is a 12, and then the Denali with yep. the L5P. Yeah. Yep. Both. Okay. The, the L5P truck yeah, the braking package that's on that—that's what goes on the Suburbans now. Really? Okay. Yeah, they're massive. I mean, they've got 18-inch wheels on the truck, and the road—the rotors or the calipers barely clear the rim. Oh wow! I mean, it's tight. So that—that's how they got that 11,000-pound GVW rating. But you know, the truck is so so stout. I mean, they—they can easily tow. <laughs> they can pull a house. Yeah. So, well, that's why I say I almost wonder of, why. There are a lot of challenges with swapping a Duramax into that because you're dealing with technology now. Right. And that's the big thing, you know. You definitely, you're not going to swap a Cummins into a 2017. That's not <laughs> um, actually, getting a Duramax into a 2017 is a challenge. <laughs> but that's because of you know, all the technology that's in there. Well, speaking of the technology, one of the big hurdles on the L5P is from our end of the world, right, from the the performance end, is that there's new security measures to keep tuners and pretty much anybody out of the ECM in an L5P. What about the rest of the body control modules and the rest of the computer systems? Do they also have advanced security restrictions, or is it just the ECM? Yeah, they did do some changes and the vehicle anti-theft system that uh, basically require us to, um, how do I say this without giving away too much information, um, we have to replace a couple of modules and reprogram them brand new right out of the box. Gotcha. Because they are what are now considered one-time flash. Oh, and okay. the thing with one-time flash is you know, once you program it, it's done. That's the end of it. And, and you can't reprogram it again. So you better know what VIN number you're using. Or that you need to use. <laughs> and unfortunately, 
<laughs> it's trial by error. <laughs> so, you know, we we spent about $1,000 on that deterrent module. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure somebody was probably wondering at GM, why has this local Orlando store sold 10 theft deterrent modules in the last month? <laughs> <laughs> the 5 come knocking yeah, on the right. door. Uh, sir. You know, I can't, unfortunately, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because the folks that in Arlington, where they, in Arlington, Texas, where they build the Suburban, um, Donna and James and them, they love what we do. They think this is just awesome. Really? But GM engineers absolutely hate what we do. <laughs> they, they just don't, they don't like people who lift trucks. They don't yeah. like people changing rims. They don't right. like different turbos. They just they freak out about that kind of stuff, and they they really get upset about it. And so, I mean, I get it. Their whole career is building right. what should be a, a ready-to-purchase right. perfect OEM vehicle, right? That's what OEM right. is. It right. should be perfect, ready-to-buy. But but I'm with you, man. And I think that's, that's crazy. Like, I bought it. I own it. Let me fuck with it. Exactly. You should be able to tune your own truck. There's no reason. And you know what? If the manufacturer wants to do as they've done for years, the manufacturer wants to put footprint monitoring in there. And I can't tell you how many 2015 Silverados have come in here and guys have wanted crazy tuning done to them. And I said, well, you know, you do that. You can avoid your warranty. I don't give a damn about the warranty. Yeah. Well, okay. Then that should be their right. That's it. You know, you shouldn't build a controller so that it just locks people out. I mean, they they have the ability to know if you've been in the truck. Right. So, you know, I, I don't see that as a problem. But, yeah, they're, they've... Some of the security measures have have come into effect because of the push to start. Yeah. That we're seeing now. Yeah. Um, you guys don't see them on the pickup. Not yet. I don't think. Right. Not on the not on the yeah. Chevys, from my knowledge. It's no. just the Rams. Yeah, I think actually Ford is doing push the start now I on would, their diesel. I wouldn't be surprised. They're always into that like novelty features. Yeah, but I mean honestly, like the thing for me, I guess, is knowing that there's companies out there, you know, like Duramax Tuner, Calibrated Power, WC Fab, or Exergy, or Duraburb, to where you know the the industry, the people who want to do this stuff. There are those of us out there who are pushing to make that available, to make that real. You know, a Duraburb's not an extremely practical vehicle. If I wanted something that got great fuel mileage, I could get a Colorado. If I wanted something that could haul right. the family, I could get a minivan. There, there's, there's something that's impractical about it, but yet <laughs> I do understand how real-world useful they can be. Well, I mean, let's throw some out there, Eric. I mean— I don't want to get into the logistics of a cost of a, of a swap, but I mean, you compare a Tahoe diesel or a suburban diesel mm -hmm. to other SUV diesels in the market. They don't tow. They don't get the, they don't get all that great fuel economy. No. They're no. really, yeah, they're just they a know. big car. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how we get a lot of our business is, you know, I've always preached a Duraburb is not a cheap vehicle. But it is a cost-effective vehicle. You can go out and find a 2008 to 2010 body-style Suburban, three-quarter ton, with 200,000 miles on it, 
it'll still be in pretty good condition. I mean, the interiors wear very well. You can find a truck like that for, oh, shoot, I've seen them for as cheap as ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. And right. you buy that, you send it to Durabur, okay, yeah, that's $25,000, Well, good Lord, now you got like $37,000, $38,000 wrapped up in this thing. Right. But guess what? If you had a family emergency tomorrow and you had to put that thing on eBay and sell it, you get $45,000 for it. Uh, we, because that's what we sell them for. Well, right. We live that. I mean, you know, <laughs> when we got ours, you know, I mean, when Nick was looking for a while, I mean, guys, we didn't buy uh, yeah. or get Nick, Eric's. Nick stole his. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there was some mechanical things. I mean, the, the truck, we didn't just go pick it up and yeah. take it back. I was the one that got sent out for that project. But, you yeah, know, yeah. when Nick was looking, because he was like, you know, I want one, I want one, I want one. They were anywhere from, you know, uh, a high mileage one for 30 maybe 28 yep. but all of them are in the 40 range i mean that's what you're going to pay yep. for this yeah yep. that's what it costs and that's the thing it it's it's cost effective right you know you can you can build it and own it put a hundred thousand miles on it sell somebody it, else turn still around, wants it buy another one. Yeah. absolutely the 17 that's in here is a customer we built an 05 for years ago and then built a 10 for and now we're building the 17 you just keep swapping <laughs> them out that's so cool so you know that now, I don't think the 17 is cost-effective because he's going to have $125,000 in that when he's done. But <laughs> it's, you know, it is all brand new. He found know? his niche, so, though. There, there's a value to it. It's not it, just cost. It, it, it's it value, yeah. right? And the thing is, you can't, if you have a wife and four kids and a toy hauler, well, okay, then there's going to be one kid sitting between you and your wife in the center of the car, then the center of the pickup truck, because you can't pull a toy hauler with a gas SUV. Right. You can't do it. Yeah. So you need a diesel. And you'd really be surprised how many people there are out there that need that. And so that's that's the niche. Unfortunately, it is very much a niche. Sure. Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, because it gives me a job. Uh, because... If, if there was enough people out there that needed it, GM would be building them. Right. But GM can't build, you know, we build maybe 45 trucks a year. Yeah. Well, GM can't do that. No. They need to build 50,000 trucks a year. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's the difference. But um, the, oh, we, do, we do see two different ranges of, of market people we see people like what you see there at duramax tuner you have customers coming in that say i want to make 750 horsepower i know you do because i see your video (laughs) (laughs) so you got customers coming in i want to make 750 horsepower and i don't care what it costs and i'm going to write a check sure and you know and then you have people that are just looking to get better fuel economy better towing and we see the same thing you know we have customers that come in and they just they want a, a Duramax SUV that gets good fuel economy and tows well that's all they really need yeah they don't want to be driving down the street or driving down the interstate pulling their trailer at 4500 rpm in fourth <laughs> gear they, just, they don't want to do that they, they want to drive down the interstate at 1800 rpm in sixth gear and the turbo spools a little bit. Yeah. And so that's our market base. 
Now, on occasion, we do have people that come in and say, I want to go 10 seconds in a quarter mile. Well, okay, I mean, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when we call you guys up and say, all right, I need, I need turbos, I need injectors, I need a pump. And we get everything from y'all and put everything together. But that's pretty rare. I mean, you don't, you don't see that very our, our market is really conservative. Right. That's awesome. Eric, any other information that you'd like to share with uh, some potential Duraburb customers of the future? If I'm brand new to shopping for a Duraburb, what's the one thing I should know? Uh, one thing you should know is that there are two essentials to a Duramax SUV. Uh, the first is who is building it, and the second it's who is tuning it. That's the two single most important criteria. Um, I can't tell you how many, because we get probably one every six or eight weeks in here that was built by someone else, and it's wrong, and we have to fix it, and the customer ends up spending around $3,000. Right. Um, and the other thing is, is tuning. It's really, you know... The tuning packages that we've worked out with Duramax Tuner, just they dial the SUV in so well that it's it just absolutely perfect for towing. Um, that's its, its crescendo, if you will. It's, right. It's really the ability to put a 10,000-pound boat behind your Suburban and just run down the interstate in, in heavyweight tow. And you don't have to worry about a thing. Your EGTs are perfect. I mean, we have a lot of customers who run Edge CTS monitors. You don't even really need them because the tuning is so tight and so solid. You know, but that's why Nick and I have been doing this over the years, and you know, that's why we've always stayed with you guys. So that's awesome. So yeah, it really comes down to who built it and who tuned it. That's so um, cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day in the middle of a move and a hurricane to come and talk to us uh, schmucks yeah. over here at the Diesel well, Performance the Podcast. Away, so uh, <laughs> now I can I can head back to moving again. But very cool. Thank gotcha. you very much, too. We appreciate it. No, Not a problem. You. Listeners, please hold on here. We're going to hear a short commercial break, and then you're going to hear whatever Rich, our producer, thought was the funniest sentence out of the whole episode right at the end of today's broadcast. For today, this has we been. We have a monitor. <laughs> we, we do. This has been Paul Wilson, and this is Chris Hemke. Thank Thanks you for, for listening. listening. Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email paul at duramaxtuner.com or chris at cehmke at duramaxtuner.com. You could also reach him by phone. Chris's extension is 2121. Paul's is 2122.
I teased Nick and I told him, I said, I'm going to build a thousand horsepower truck and I'm going to come after you. I'm going to tear your ass up. And he goes, how are you going to do that? I says, well, I'm going to build it and I'm going to send it to you. You're going to send it and I'm going to take your bullets and I'm going to throw them back at you. And, all right, we'll see about that. And wouldn't you know, one one Friday night at like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, I get a text. Beat you. <laughs> what? And he sent me a picture of the dyno screen. It was a 1,050 horsepower. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, 